0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder
1: intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight, my guest is a friend from so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this is a really special one, actually, because Lee Scales is a dear friend of my mom's and of mine. She's been a uh, part of our family for a very long time. And before we hit the record button, we were trying to figure out really the first time that we met how old I might have been. And we're thinking it's somewhere maybe in that when I was age four to eight, somewhere in there. So it's it's been a long time and just so many special memories. Lee, thank you so much for doing this. I am so happy to have you on the podcast. So would you give a quick hello and introduction to our listeners?
0: Hello, everybody. I'm a pastor's wife, and we live in Northern California now. And my husband's been at the church for 25 years, and it's kind of winding down now thinking about retiring in about a year and a half. So there's lots of changes going on. And uh, we have two children that are grown and each have three children. And we feel so very blessed. And COVID has been really hard on me, especially, because a month and a half into it, I broke my hips so bad falling on some bricks that had risen up from tree roots and it's taken i had to learn to walk again it's taken a long time but as you'll hear in my story there's good things that happen when you're stuck at home too a lot of thinking and including this podcast has just been a blessing
1: Oh, thank you so much. I know when my mom told me that you were tuning in and listening to the episodes, it's just, you know, it's made my heart happy. It was a really, it was a sweet blessing. So thank you for all the support and encouragement. And, you know, before we go into your story, you really have a story of hope and healing. As we've done with some other episodes in the past, ladies who are listening right now, we want to give you a very loving warning that while this is absolutely a story of hope and healing, we're going to go through some some really emotionally triggering chapters for some of you because this is a story that includes abortion. And I know that that word brings up a lot of feelings for a lot of women. And we want you to know, that our hope and our intention is for you to not feel alone, to know that you are loved, to know that there is healing. And if you need to pause this episode right now and come back and listen to it at a time that's better for you, please do what you need to do to, you know, practice self-care and and maybe even pray before listening to the story. Just know that God's got his arms around you in this. Kind of imagine that he's sitting right next to you as you hear Lee's story. But with that, we're going to rewind the tape like we do every week and invite you, Lee, to kind of share your story from the beginning and how you got into each of these chapters and how you found your hope and healing of today. Thank you, Jessica.
0: I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota in a loving family I was the middle child of three girls. My parents told me I was beautiful and talented, but they were my parents. I didn't like the way I looked as a teen. I was tall and skinny and had very curly hair. There's a quote by Teddy Roosevelt that says, comparison is the thief of joy. I compared myself to the pretty girls. One girl at school said I should not be wearing a bra, and another said my lips were so small, a boy would never want to kiss me. And that really hurt my self esteem. But I went off to Christian summer camp shortly after that, and I was happy to be kissing a cute boy in the woods when I should have been learning about how much Jesus loves me. As time went by, I learned to tame my curls. I started feeling more confident. Boys were noticing me more and more. I loved it, and I kissed way too many. My first kiss was behind a warming house by the skating rink, and I didn't even know him, but I still remember that first kiss. I had my first serious boyfriend at 16. This cute boy said he loved me, and we went too far one night. I thought I was pregnant. We even told his dad. We were so scared. When I got my period, we were both so relieved. He stayed away after that, and I was so hurt. I cried for days and days. My heart felt so broken. I wish I had valued myself. I wish I'd known that I was hurting God as well as myself. I put having a boyfriend ahead of loving God and caring about what he wanted my life to be. If I had walked in his ways, my early life would have been so much better. In my early 20s, I was hired as a flight attendant with Northwest Airlines. It was great seeing more of the world than I ever dreamed I would. At 21, one night, I was on reserve, and I got a call that I'd be going to Tokyo the next evening. It was so exciting and such a different world. I had a boyfriend, John, that I would see when I was home, but he proved to be someone I couldn't trust when I was away. My father was diagnosed with colon cancer during this time, and as he got worse, I left my job to be able to spend more time at home. He fought hard for three years, but lost his battle at the young age of 58. I held on tight to John during the grief that followed But my mom and my sister and five-year-old niece, Debbie, and I decided we would move to California, to Orange County, California. My mom had a dear friend that lived there. So no more cold and snow. I loved California. I got a job at a great law firm as a receptionist. I met new friends, and I started reading the Bible a little. For about a year, I was with a guy named Dale. He was kind and loved me, but with a jealous kind of love. I wish I'd known psychology back then. His mother had abused him as a child, and his dad had died when he was only eight. She would lock him in the closet when he didn't answer the phone after school. He developed an angry streak, and one night, threw me headfirst into a wall. Some nice neighbors took me to the hospital, and that was the end of that. Months later, I met someone new. He was a veterinarian. It was a blind date, but I liked him immediately. We went on some fun dates, and then we'd go to the clinic to check on all the animals at the clinic. He was great with them, and I really admired him. He was fun and kind, and we got along great and eventually became involved. A month later, I found out I was pregnant. He hadn't called in a while. He was shocked when I called him at work and told him I was pregnant. He called later that night and said he hoped I would have an abortion. I decided back in high school That abortion was totally wrong and that I would never do that. I said to him, you breathe life into newborn puppies that aren't breathing, but you want me to kill our baby? He said he'd pay for it if I changed my mind. I felt so alone. I went and told my dear mom that I would be having a baby. She broke down crying and said, What will our relatives think, and how could you be so foolish? I went home and cried. All I could think of was getting on a plane to Minneapolis to get comfort from my best friend. I was so depressed and sick and getting weaker in my resolve as people kept saying, You do have a choice. I felt as though I'd be damned if I do, damned if I don't.
1: You know, that phrase right there, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I imagine almost every listener has experienced that feeling in some way, even if it's, you know, a much smaller maybe issue. But for the women who find themselves in that boat that I'm pregnant and I didn't expect to be. The women I have spoken with and spent time with that have been facing that decision have all in one way or another said that exact phrase you just did. It felt like there was a, it was a no win. Like no matter what, somebody was going to be hurt. No matter what, something was going to be destroyed. No matter what, there was just, there was just no good, easy answer. And I, and I just, for all the women listening who have never been in that situation, they've never had to face this. They've never experienced a surprise or unwanted pregnancy. I think for, for all of those women, It's so easy to pass judgment. It's so easy to say, well, if I were you, I would do this. And so many of us just fail to pause for a minute and really imagine, what what if that was you? There's so many emotions. There's so much struggle. There's so many people speaking into you, right? You have friends and family members giving you all of their thoughts and opinions, telling you what to do, what not to do. Sometimes women are threatened on both sides to make one decision or the other. I mean, this is not like, this is not something that's just easy place to be. You mentioned a friend that there was somebody that you felt like you trusted that you could share just your heart with and, and maybe not be judged and just explain every, everything you were feeling and, and not feel guilty for the feelings. And maybe they, and you can speak to this more. I mean, I-, I could imagine that you might have felt like you were in a pinball machine in some ways, just one minute to the next. I mean, you've got hormones, you've got the father, you've got family, you've got your own convictions from when you were younger. You've now, you're facing this decision that you, I'm guessing, maybe never thought you would be in. Like a lot of us sort of have that. Well, that'll never happen to me. Mm hmm. What was it about your friend that made you want to go to her, that made you feel safe and loved by her? Because I think all of us could take notes on this, right? We want to be that kind of friend. We want to be the kind of women that when our loved ones are in the middle of a crisis or facing a huge decision, we want them to feel like they can come to us and be safe and be loved and receive truth and love from us.
0: She was just so easy to talk to. We'd been friends for 10 years. I knew she wouldn't judge me and that she would want what was best for me. She was the most honest, strong person that I knew, but she was also confused with this New phrase. You have a choice. It's your choice. You don't have to go through with this, Lee. And I was kind of shocked because I didn't think that she would ever choose abortion. So.
1: You said this new word, this new phrase. What, what year was this?
0: 1976. And I'd had a dear friend that had had an abortion before it was legal, and her fiancé flew her to Tokyo, and she had an abortion there. She came back, and she wanted to feel okay, and she would cry every time she saw a baby. So my friend that I went to see and I had both seen how the other friend you know, had reacted to having an abortion. So I didn't think that that would ever be acceptable when I flew to her, but she considered it a serious choice for me.
1: So just to put this in context, This chapter of your story takes place in 1976, which is really just a few years after the legalization of abortion. So just, you know, for those who are listening, sometimes I think we have to take ourselves out of our current location and time and really kind of go back and, and just hear the story in the time that it happened in the 70s. And, and, this was new, this was different. This was certainly, you know, not today. Exactly. So, and so once you flew out to see your friend, what happened next?
0: Well, she actually said also, you do have a choice. So that's when I just felt as though I'm damned if I do, and I'm damned if I don't. I had ambivalence And I swayed back and forth from, I'm going to love this baby and be a great mom too. I just want to go back in time and not be pregnant. My mom and I were so close and I had broken her heart. And selfishly, I wanted my life back too. And my sad solution was that I decided I would lie and say I'd had a miscarriage. I called a Planned Parenthood clinic, made an appointment, I called the father, and he wired me the money. Even during the procedure, I wished I had been stronger and not chosen to end my baby's life. Afterwards, I was depressed, very sad. I felt damaged. Nothing felt right. I felt like I had a scar inside of me, and I realized I needed God. Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa was about a mile away. I was there every Sunday. And back in the 70s, you could come late and walk right down to the front and sit on the floor in your blue jeans and I just did that every Sunday and just ate it up, listened to Pastor Chuck tell all these stories, which were true stories. And one week I went back and prayed with someone, and I could immediately feel God's forgiveness wash over me. I dedicated my life to him. I asked for forgiveness for so many things. I began to heal. Two years after that, I met the man that I would marry. And he was actually the first Christian I had ever gone out with. And I was just on a different path now. A Christian man that even knowing my past could still love me. He went to seminary to become a minister. And we married... Three years later, we had a daughter, Jenny, and two years later, a son, David. I felt so unworthy as a mom to be given these two perfect children and love them so completely. I still would feel guilty sometimes. And a Christian friend said, how dare you not forgive yourself? It's like saying what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. it was enough.
1: listeners, I just want you to hear that, and I want you to soak that in. It was enough. There is nothing you have done or are doing or will do that doesn't qualify <laughs> to fit under under his outstretched arms that was. For all people of all time, no matter what, it's enough. It's absolutely enough. And if he did that and says that you are forgiven and washed clean, then I, you know I I can just picture your friend saying that because when you say "how dare you," it you know when we think of that phrase, we think of somebody being you know maybe angry with you or caustic. But I f- know that that was said in such love. That was like strong love that was tough love that was a, how dare you not forgive yourself you are forgiven you are you are you are you are and to that point for those of us who haven't experienced something maybe we haven't committed a particular sin that doesn't give us the right to look at the woman who has and think oh well you know She shouldn't be forgiven or, you know, we, we do that. We just uh, subconsciously or consciously, we so often just sort of put this judgment on somebody. And to, to that, I would say, well, how, how dare we, (laughs) you know, how dare the outsiders looking in? How dare we not forgive as well? Right. I agree. What an amazing thing. I'm so glad that you had that turning point and what a model your husband was too. I mean, such such an example of Christ's love that, that says, your past does not define your future. I think for many women, when we go through something very traumatic, um, a really serious grief, it's very easy to just sort of put that into a box and put it on a shelf and never open it again. But you didn't do that. You really took your experience and you took your suffering and what you had been through and you wanted to serve other women. You wanted to use your pain for good. How did you do that? What What did you do to serve the community and help other women in the same boat?
0: Through the years, I had the opportunity to volunteer at three different pro-life pregnancy centers. I counseled women who were seeking an abortion and shared better options with them. I met many women that were so afraid. I learned what an unborn child is like at different stages. They didn't tell me it. Planned Parenthood, that a baby at eight weeks, like mine was, feels pain. Um, it's real different now than it was then, because they didn't tell you much. And now, if you were to go into one of the pregnancy centers I've worked at, they would sure hope that you would get an ultrasound and hear your baby's heartbeat. Had I been able to do that, I would never have been able to go through with an abortion, for sure. But the baby feels pain. At eight weeks, it was a human, not just a mass of cells. He or she had a right to be born, a right to have a life. Years later, I would be a speaker in high school health classes. I'd share my story and talk about how important their choices are. People, politicians, talk about protecting a woman's right to choose. But one of those choices is to end the life of a tiny, helpless baby. I say, what if you are before Jesus And he asks you, why didn't you stand up for the unborn babies? It's so black and white to me, and I am so grateful for God's grace and forgiveness. I honestly made the wrong choice, and I will always regret what I did. So now it's 45 years later, and I look at those years with sadness and gratitude, God took the most painful thing in my life and used it to bring me closer to him and become his beloved daughter who cares about pleasing him with my life.
1: I love that you mentioned that women are God's beloved daughters. Even when we do things out of line with his plan, we are still his beloved. This actually reminds me of an episode from a TV series in which a teenage daughter wants an abortion and her father is passionately against her choice. He tells her very adamantly, but very lovingly, that he believes abortion is wrong and he'll do everything in his power to change her mind. But if she goes through with it, he will never abandon her or stop loving her. I think that shows how much he values the life of his unborn grandchild and the life of his beloved daughter. I imagine God would have said the same thing to you, Lee. He would have told you not to have an abortion. He values the life of the unborn. He also values your life, and he will never abandon you over your choice. He will always forgive you. He will always love you. Sometimes I think the pro-choice, pro-life argument makes people choose between if you value an unborn baby or if you value the pregnant woman and and i don't think god picks one over the other we are all his beloved children born or unborn and he loves us all equally and cherishes us and values us and wants to protect us and be be there for us so i just want to thank you again for sharing your story with us lee this was really special to have you come on the episode and it and it means a lot to me thank you so much for sharing your story and reliving such a heavy chapter in your life and being open to share that with listeners.
0: Jessica, I want to thank you for this podcast. Listening to the honest life stories and all that your women have gone through gave me a better perspective on life. When someone would mention different chapters of their life, I realized I could move forward with things That have been hurtful in my life, and I started a new chapter forgiving the past. I have vowed to love deeper and value others more. I know God never left me, and I'm so thankful to Him.
1: We are too, ladies especially for anyone listening who already shared her story on this. Please be encouraged that your stories make a difference. They are impacting women and just blessing them and encouraging them, reminding them that they are not alone, and and shedding a little bit of light onto stories and chapters that other listeners don't know about, they've never experienced. But it's so good for us to see behind the curtain, to see behind the social media post, to really get to know each other on a Real level. That's, that's the point of this, that these are real women, real stories, and real hope. And we know that some of the things we talk about might trigger emotions. We know that some things you might process, maybe you don't even agree with, but we're all sisters and Our hope is that we can encourage each other to love each other and support each other and and be there and that we don't have to put on a show. We don't need to fake anything. That we can be real with each other. And I really appreciate, Lee, that you opened up this story. There are so many women that have this chapter in their lives and it is raw and it is not easy to talk about. Very often when we bring up a hot topic or a controversial topic. There's that fear that people will just get into attack mode and and judgment mode. It breaks my heart because it shouldn't be that way. I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the women who are in the middle of facing a decision or women who already have, women who who have had an abortion in their past, maybe more than one. And if you could sit at a coffee shop or have tea with, with this woman and and look in her eyes because, because you get it. And we talk about this so often on, on the podcast. It means so much more coming from somebody like you, right? Women who have had an abortion, I know they hear a lot of judgment from women who have never been in their shoes and how hard that must be to hear. And that everything you have said, you are not just standing from this high pedestal as some holier than thou woman shaking her finger at everybody else. You have walked this journey. So it means so much more coming from you. So if you could speak to that woman and just love her, what would you tell her?
0: I would want her to get closer to God through all this and just start making decisions from that moment on to please him. And know that they absolutely can be forgiven. And even if they end up with a scar, it's a reminder, too, of what God has forgiven. I'll encourage them to not go down my road because it was very difficult, very hard.
1: Thank you for sharing. In closing, we wanted to ask for you to pray for all the women listening and and really be praying for those who maybe don't feel like they have been forgiven or they haven't found that healing yet. Women that are facing really life-changing decisions and feel like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't.
0: What a position to be in. Dear God, help the women listening to know that you love them and give them the desire to live their lives to please you. As we walk with you, and there are fences around us and rules to follow, it is really a luxury because there's so much bad in this world. But to try to stay close to you and walk with you will just make their life so much clearer, and they can feel joy through that. So I just thank you for this opportunity. I'm not a public speaker at all, but thank you, God, for being with me through all of this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you again, Lee. And we want to include some resources in our episode notes, just some other places that if, if you are finding yourself in a tough position, if you are needing support, if you are needing somebody to pray with you, if you are needing healing, or, or whatever it may be, please, please look in the episode notes, we're going to have some links to some different organizations and, and different resources that that we hope can be very helpful. So thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for for tuning in. We hope that this story uh, just reminded you that there is hope and healing. No matter what, and that what Jesus did was enough, and it was enough. No matter what your past is, we hope you join us for our next story. Good night, y'all.
0: The Story Night Podcast,
1: a ministry of Calvary Mac.
0: For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com/slash/women.